Hello and welcome to Mind Tap with Alternative Therapeutics. I'm Brittany. I'm Olivia. I'm Mary Beth. I'm Chase. I'm Grace. Thanks for joining. Today we're going to be discussing the topic of parenting and giving some tips for how we might deal with some troubling behaviors and emotional dysregulation. child therapist, I guess you could say. (laughs) She loves working with kids and she works with a fair amount of them. And she also works with a lot of parents with kids. So with all that experience, she's come up with a lot of good tips and pointers. Um, And so we just want to kind of touch on some of those top tips and ask some questions. Yeah. Yeah. So as Brittany said, I have worked with a lot of kids in my past um, and currently. I used to work at a camp for kids with special needs, and um, after that, I got a job in ABA, which is a good therapy for people with autism, and I was a registered behavior technician, Um, so I haven't quite done that in a few years so that I'm not certified anymore, but I still remember a lot of the um, little tips and tricks we use to, to help modify behaviors, so... Um, I want to just set a disclaimer that I know that kids are very spontaneous. And so these tips that I'm going to go over, they're not necessarily going to work every single time, um, because kids are kids. So don't take this as gospel. They're just little things that you can incorporate here and there when you're able to, um, because also parents' lives are different. Not a lot of these have to do with like, reinforcing and following through and if you are running out the door because you're late for things that's probably not going to be a good time to follow through with stuff so I understand that life happens yeah so Grace and I have some similarities in that we both have kids and we both happen to have two-year-olds yeah so the terrible twos are a real thing that they are (laughs) So, um, yeah, do you have any specific ideas or thoughts for how we might manage the terrible twos and the tantrums and the irrational So everything? (laughs) How do we deal with that? So one of the things I like to tell parents is that at such a young age, kids are experiencing new things all the time. They're not used to this world that we've been living in for however old however many years we've been living. Um, So it's going to seem very irrational to us as adults, but their feelings and their emotions are very valid for their age. So it can get very frustrating and irritating as an adult to deal with these behaviors and these irrational meltdowns that they're having. But trying to think of it from like a two-year-old perspective, (laughs) that... They haven't dealt with the things that we have, so obviously it is the end of the world for them, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the first thing. Um, Second is allowing them to feel those emotions. Obviously, if you're in the middle of a store, that might not be the best time to just, like, let it happen. But there are things you can put in place, um, different, like, reward systems and things like that, that will help them realize that, like, there is a time and place for... um, 
meltdowns. Big emotions. (laughs) Big emotions. (laughs) Right. So if it's at home and they're upset because they can't have something, well, it's important that, like, you already said that they can't have that. So following through is one of the things that you should probably still do. But then there's also choosing your battles. Mm -hmm. If you tell them that they can't have a cookie and they're freaking out about it, but they haven't had a cookie that day, one cookie's not going to kill them. So Mm -hmm. just, you could let them have it, right? Um, if they've already had cookies and, or you're just really like you already told them no, and you really want to follow through on that, then distracting them, moving their attention to something different saying, um, it's not time for cookies right now, but we can do this, play this game or whatever. Giving them a positive alternative or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, just letting them be upset about it. <laughs> just letting it happen and ignoring, not engaging in that behavior. Because they also need to learn that you can't just throw a tantrum when you don't get what you want. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some yeah. examples of... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I feel like I try to rationalize with my two-year-old a lot. And... Yeah, it's not. Well, if you think that's actually another thing that I, um, I think a lot of parents like to explain to their kids why they can't have something or why mm-hmm. they can't do something. A two-year-old's not going right. to understand that. Right. So trying to use as little words as possible. Yeah. When you're explaining things, so just saying, it's not time for a cookie. Mm-hmm. Really <laughs> Keeping it like that. Yeah. You don't need to explain why. Yeah. Just saying and. A lot of times, instead of saying no, shifting your uh, words to, for example, it's not time for a cookie, instead of no, you can't have a cookie. Or um, if they are, like, hitting something or, like, kicking a piece of furniture or whatever, instead of saying don't kick that, it's this piece of furniture isn't for kicking, um... Yeah, that's interesting. And I've read that before, like the way that we perceive the word no. It's like mm-hmm. instant, like think of the word no. It, it brings something up in you, right. Yeah, right? Versus like redirecting them in a different way and trying not to use that language because it, it instantly creates resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I read somewhere too, I don't know if you read anything about this, but it said, um, I can't remember where it was, but it said instead of saying, if you do this, then you can have this. You're supposed to say, you're supposed to use when. Yeah, like first, then language. Yeah. So first we do this, then we do this. Right. Yeah. Um, So let's say, I don't know, your kid's doing homework or something like that for a little bit older kids. Mm -hmm. Especially, I think, with virtual learning, this is probably very uh, um, common in in today's world. So they don't want to finish their homework, but they want to go go play something. So instead of using no, don't, you can't play right now. Um, or like you have to finish your homework, just using the words of first, we'll do our homework, then we'll go play. Mm -hmm. Because so they know that like, so they know that like what they want, they can still have, Mm -hmm. but first something needs to be done in order for that to happen rather than just like, no, it's not time to play. You need to finish your Shutting homework. It down, yeah. 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 And I can see why those kinds of concepts could be difficult to incorporate into your parenting because even 
as an adult, it's hard to regulate yourself mm -hmm. yes. in things that you want to do <laughs> yeah. right now. And, and, you know, you're trying to put boundaries on yourself to mm -hmm. say, no, let's not do this right now. Let's do this after I accomplish a task. And so learning to use that in your parenting, it also is like this simultaneous, like, I need to use this in my own life in addition right. to helping my kid understand that let's accomplish a task first and then reward ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I can see how that would play over from learning in childhood to developing those habits as an older person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's teaching regulation through co-regulation. Mm -hmm. You're modeling. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. I mean, all kids learn from their parents and what their parents do. So if you grow up telling your kid that yeah. they need to, you know, get all A's or they're not going to be successful, then they're going to grow up believing that because who? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people who are very grade based are have a lot of anxiety, like school based anxiety growing up because they're so afraid of the specific grade that they're going to get that they don't take care of themselves to be able to get that grade. They just do everything that they can mm -hmm. to do that. So instead of saying, like, you just, you need this grade to, to be good, rewarding them on the effort that they're putting forth to get those grades is going to be more important. Mm -hmm. So noticing, like, I see that you finished all of your homework tonight. That's great. Um, you know, they get a bad grade on the test asking them, okay, so you got this grade. What can we do maybe to help you you do a little bit better next time? What what happened this time that, um, like, what was the subject really difficult for you? Did you have any missing assignments that maybe um, would have helped you learn more? Like, what, finding kind of where, maybe where that bad grade stemmed from and figuring out, like, what can we do differently this time? To make it a little bit better. Power, it sounds like you're saying, like, yeah. instead of problem solving for them, yeah. giving suggestions, like, yeah. letting them have some some autonomy in deciding mm -hmm. how they want to approach this and yeah. be better with it. I've noticed that's even helped with my two-year-old, just yeah. giving her choices. You know, yes. not too many choices. <laughs> no, but choices, yeah, that it's choices are very, very important for kids growing up, even at the early age of two, because they can make their own choices. Obviously... At that young of an age, as the parent, you want to give them choices that you are okay with giving mm -hmm. them. But if they want to dress themselves, let them dress themselves. Yeah. You could, if you want, if you're going somewhere nice and you want your child to look a little nicer, you can choose maybe two or three outfits that they can choose from. You have options, yeah. But they get to choose that for themselves yeah. ultimately. It teaches them how to be independent and to make right. their own decisions. Um, so that's also one of the main things that I tell my clients is let your child make decisions for themselves mm -hmm. even as they get older into like their teens and stuff if there's <sighs> I can't remember who like does the choice theory or whatever I learned about it in like my play therapy class when I was in grad school but the basics of it is that um you you tell your kid what their actions are, and then what the consequence of the action will be. Mm -hmm. So the example that was used when I learned it was um, this man's kids were fighting in the 
back of their van while he was driving. He literally pulled the van over and was like, you can choose to continue to fight and lose your hour of TV time when we get home. Or you can choose to stop fighting, choosing in turn to watch TV when you get home. And so he started driving again. Of course, they fought again. But then when they got home, he enforced that. And he was like, you chose to continue fighting, which means you chose to lose your TV time. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it takes a few times. It's not going to be, like, perfect on the first, yeah, on the first try. But it doesn't take that long for kids to realize, okay, when you're using that that terminology of you choose, Mm -hmm. that's putting it on them versus the parent who's punishing, right? Mm -hmm. So you say you chose to fight, you chose to lose your TV time. And being very specific about the consequences too and sticking to those consequences. So um, if you say that they'll lose TV time, but then you don't let them use their phone later on that evening too, that's going to be really confusing to your kid because the phone wasn't a consequence for their actions, the TV time was. Mm -hmm. So sticking to that, because I think as, as adults, we can get really caught up in our emotions too. Like if your kid does something really that goes against your values, like upsets you. Yeah. Really upsets you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, and sometimes those emotions can linger for a few days, right? Like if you have a teenager and you pitch them off at a party drinking when you're very much not about that, Mm -hmm. that's going to make you really upset. But stating what they're losing, that consequence of, okay, well, you're not allowed to hang out with your friends for the next two weeks, but then you also don't let them go and hang out like with a family member or something like that. That's you know, just being, not specifying or, yeah. or not sticking to what you're saying, that consequences, it's going to be very confusing for them. Yeah. Or I guess a better example would be like, if you said that they can't hang out with their friends for two weeks. Okay. So that's that. But then the next day they go to like text their friends and you yell at them for using their phone, texting their friends, right? You said they couldn't hang out with their friends. You said they couldn't go and spend time but now they're texting their friends and you're yelling at them for that too. Mm-hmm. That's going to be very, very confusing for them. So just sticking to and being very clear about what those consequences are. Mm-hmm. I actually just had that happen before I came here today with my two-year-old. And she, you know, I told her, I, I said, if you choose to do this, then this will be the consequence. And she did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I followed through with the consequence. And it still threw a tantrum, just freaked out. But yeah. I, you just have to, I, for me, I, I had to stick with it. I just had yes. to like, and that's hard as a parent sometimes, I think, because sometimes we just want to give in. So it stops. Stop yelling at me. It's really hard, but if you just let, I, I figured out today that eventually she stopped. You know, yeah. it took a while and sometimes it takes longer than others, but mm-hmm. I just stuck with it, didn't give in, and eventually she stopped. And the more work you put in now yeah. doing that and not giving in, the easier it's going to get the rest of your life. I sure hope so. Because she... <laughs> <laughs> well, because the moment you set a consequence and then don't enforce it, mm-hmm. they understand that they can get away with something. Yeah. Right? So the more you... It's basically like well, you didn't yeah, even set that... that many times. Right. <laughs> so it's like you didn't even set that consequence in the first place. Right. That they didn't do anything wrong in the first place. Right. I think we don't give our kids enough credit for how 
intelligent they are, how aware they are, mm-hmm. I guess is the word. Um, they are very aware of things like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. paying attention to everything. Yeah. And actually, it would be much more difficult for you if you didn't follow through now, mm-hmm. but then like five years down the road, to really tried to start. Because then they're not used to that. They're right. used to getting away with things and not having those right. consequences enforced. So when you start enforcing consequences, their behaviors are going to skyrocket mm-hmm. and they're going to push your buttons and do everything that they can yeah. <laughs> because you used to give in all the time. Right. So they're expecting you to do that again. So it takes longer and yeah. it takes more effort on your part later on down the road than if you just stick with it now. I know for me, I think sometimes I'm like, oh, she's two. She won't remember. None of this matters. But it matters <laughs> so much when you do, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on attachment theory, which is like between birth and age three. And mm-hmm. it's so important. But mm-hmm. I sometimes I just forget that it's hard. Oh, she's yeah. so little. She's never going to remember mm-hmm. any of this stuff. But like you just said, like, if I don't do it now, it'll get harder later. So obviously she does remember. You know, they mm-hmm. do. They do pick up on all this stuff. Yeah, it's all learned behaviors. Yeah. I think one of the tips that, uh, I don't think we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but this is also a blog post that Olivia has on her website. It's yeah. like 10 specific parenting tips. So I encourage you to look, you know, look at that if, uh, just to kind of get more details. But one of the topics that she covers is acknowledging feelings with children mm-hmm. and also your own modeling that, right? Yeah. So like, tell, talk, talk more about that. Yeah, so I've actually, this is something that comes up a lot with clients that they're worried that um, because they haven't been able to deal with their emotions until they're adults, Mm -hmm. that their kids are going to grow up the same way, which is not true, but it is very important to be able to model to your kids when you're feeling your own emotions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think most people are told your whole life to just like push your emotions away, that you're not supposed to yeah, quit Mm -hmm. crying, you're not supposed to be mad, Mm -hmm. like good emotions and bad ones. Right. And so I've actually recently really been trying to shift my, the words that I use to like easy and difficult emotions because there's no good emotions and there's no bad emotions, but there's emotions that are easier to feel and there's emotions that are more difficult to feel. So for example, everybody likes to feel happy (laughs) and excited, right? Those are, those would be good emotions, but instead they're just easier emotions to feel. Nobody really enjoys feeling angry or sad or frustrated or guilty, right? But those are just more difficult emotions to feel. And without those difficult emotions, we wouldn't be able to feel those easier emotions as well. So all emotions are important and um, it's important for your kids to be able to feel those too. So as a parent, labeling your own emotions can be really important. An example... um, if you come home from work and you just had a really stressful day and you're just really tired, whether you say that to your kid or not, they're going to know because of your actions and because of your body language. So why not just tell them, I'm feeling really tired right now because I had a long day at work. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not telling them too much information saying like, oh my gosh, my coworker did this and my boss is like, being horrible to me no you don't tell them those that information but just a general like I'm just feeling really tired today because I had a long day at work and then that shows them that they can open up to you when they're feeling something Mm -hmm. or if they did something that made you upset you can tell them that there's nothing wrong with saying I'm feeling angry right now because I told you not to do that 
And I you stands, did. I stands. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so they can know that. Instead of blaming, like, you're a little brat. Yeah. You know, quit doing that. It's like, I'm feeling frustrated because of whatever behavior. You yeah. Know? It really shifts the the blame and shame to mm-hmm. you know, taking responsibility for your own emotions. Right. And then the fact that you're doing that will show them that it, they can do that too. If you think about it, we're very much like our parents, whether we like it or not. And that's just because of the way you grow up, their mannerisms and habits and things like that. Um, and so if we want to be different, we have to very consciously make different choices. Yes. Yeah. And then with little or younger kids, um, sometimes they might not know what emotions they're feeling, right? So helping them gain that emotional intelligence can be really important, too, by helping them label their emotions. You can typically tell when your kid's not feeling right, yeah. right? So labeling, um, if they seem sad, you can say, you seem sad. <laughs> if they seem, um, if they're having a tantrum, you can say, I see that you're angry right now. Um, and then you can even go into, like, if you've taught them coping strategies before, you can say, I see that you're very angry right now. What can we do to help, help calm down? Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any good suggestions for coping strategies? I, I try, um, deep breathing with her, just trying to get her to take a deep breath. And sometimes she says, but I don't want to. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So. The thing with coping strategies is not forcing them on your kids. Mm-hmm. If you if you teach them deep breathing, <clears throat> excuse me, and that works, great. If it doesn't work, then it's obviously not going to work. So right. forcing them to do it isn't right. going to do anything. Um, but following what their natural coping strategies are. So if they're, like, hitting something mm-hmm. or, like, throwing toys – you could give them a spot in your house that's okay to throw a toy at. Like, give them a ball in, like, a Target or something and have them, like, throw it as hard as they can at the wall, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just you don't want them destroying your TV from them throwing a toy at your TV. So setting that designated area where that sort of behavior is allowed. Um, if they, you know, are screaming and crying, what is that doing? I mean, it's just, they're just screaming and crying. You don't right. like to hear it. It might be frustrating for you and give you a headache, but you can allow them to cry for a while because eventually that settles down. A lot of screaming and crying is kind of attention, uh, like, no, I don't want to say attention seeking, but um, just trying to get a reaction out of yeah. you a lot of times to yeah. see how you're going to react. So if you react in a calm way and say, I can see you're very angry right now, I'm going to walk away until you're ready to talk to me in a calm voice. Mm -hmm. That can help them realize, like, okay, well, screaming and crying isn't going to get me anything. Let's try to verbalize or show how I'm feeling in a different way. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, What are some examples? I don't know. I'm, like, trying to think of more examples. No, that's – I think that's really good. I think it's so important for us as parents that that we put it – I mean – we put it on us, you know, mm-hmm. not on them to kind of like you're talking about, like, it's a, if they scream and cry, okay, that's, you know, let them scream and cry. The problem is, is that it frustrates us. So mm-hmm. we need to regulate. That's right. our job. Right. That's our job is to regulate. And when they see you regulate, right, they will regulate, they will learn from that. Right. Right. So obviously if it's like, 
excessive screaming and crying and it's like lasting for a long time then in public yeah, yeah. you don't <laughs> i mean you don't want like to neglect their needs right but if it's just a, if you know that they're trying to like get something from you right. that you want then telling them i see that you're angry mm-hmm. i will talk to you when you can speak to me with a calm voice right Right? Mm-hmm. If they're in a restaurant or, um, like a, a store or something like that, I know some people will say, like, just let it happen because they're, you know, they're trying to get a reaction out of you too. But at the same time, like, you're in a store. Who, what, yeah. what parent is really going to want to keep yeah. their kid in the store when they're, like, yeah. screaming? Mm-hmm. So it's okay to take them outside or, like, yeah. put them in the car and do the same thing. Like, I we're see that you're really situation mad right now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. even just that changes. Changing the channel, <laughs> being helpful yeah. for them. Like sometimes I don't know what it is, but yeah, you just kind of like change locations, change focus. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Just distract them, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that really sticks out in my mind of when I was in my play therapy course was my teacher. She mentioned like, let's say you can anticipate a tantrum happening because your kid picks up something that they want, and you're not going to buy it from them or for them. Um, and let's say it's just like, I, I don't know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So you pick it up, you take it and you start asking them questions about it. Like, oh, that seems like a really cool toy. Like, tell me about it. What, what would you do with this if you had it? And like, get them distracted and get them talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then put it back <laughs> or like put it off to the side or, you know, like get them distracted. They're like fixated on this. I want this. Oh, what would you do if you had that? What would you name it? What, you know, if it's a toy, like, instead of do you know anybody that has this? Actively resisting. Nope, you're not getting it. Put it down Uh immediately. Like, just kind of, yeah. It kind of distracts their, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little triggery. Like, intense Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's always going to work. So, (laughs) once again, don't, hopefully, but, I mean... I think a lot of times if you just get their minds off of what they're mm-hmm. upset about or what they're fixated on in that moment, yeah. that it won't be as big of a meltdown if you distract a little bit. Very good. Well, thanks, Olivia. These are really good tips. Like I said, we, I don't think we covered all of them, so definitely check out the blog on the website. Uh, I think it's like top 10 parenting tips from Olivia or something like that. Uh, but thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. We'll catch you next time.